0: Para su guayo oh, wow.
1: Black Arts and Cultural Program of the African Sisters Media Network. And that was Zion Trinity singing opening prayer to the African deity, Eshu Legba, a deity that lets us know that we always have choices. We are never victims. And we are continuing our coverage of San Francisco Documentary Film Festival, which just started yesterday. Today with a special broadcast, we're going to be featuring directors and um, uh, subjects who um who have work in this particular festival which is having its um hmm I have to ask our uh, I guess, which anniversary is it? Let me look at my notes. Good morning. Is this um Peter uh and, and Audrey Candycorn?
2: Yes, it's Peter Mentini and Audrey Candycorn. Yes, it is great.
1: Oh good morning. How are both of you doing? We're great. Doing well. Excellent. Excellent. So what anniversary um for SF Doc is this? I'm looking at my for my program. Ah, 18. Whoa. That's pretty awesome. <laughs>
2: good cuz you don't have it right.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's so wonderful to have you all um, you know, um presenting um this really important important film um uh Soar, Torian Thor. I mean, it's like Wow, um Audrey, you really mm-hmm. you know really share you know what a mother's grief looks like, oh my goodness mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really really intense, really, really intense yeah. um yeah, um, and your film um is screening um I believe this weekend, right
2: June ninth at the Roxy at two oh, thirty in okay. the afternoon that's a Sunday.
1: Okay. Yeah, next Sunday. Yeah. And 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 afterwards there's gonna be opportunity for uh audiences to to be able to process. So you're gonna have um an on stage interview and community Q and A with both of you. Um I guess conducted by Otis Taylor, Junior.
3: Yes. Uh-huh. That's yeah. correct.
1: hmm Right, yeah. So so tell the audience about about the film and, and how the two of you um came together, um, uh, and so, you know, um, you you're, you're, uh, the way that you wanted to, to be really public and, and what does it mean for a mother to lose a child? It sort of reminds me of, um, of, um, gosh, I'm drawing a blank now, um,
3: Emmett Till's Well, mother. don't you worry, sister. I could just jump right on in and help you, cause I am my sister's keeper. How about that, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, but
1: I was thinking yeah. about Emmett Till's, Till's mother, um, and and you being like like his mother in not wanting to hush up, um, you know, her mm-hmm. son's killing and and mm-hmm. making it really public so that the nation would know and the com- community and the nation would know what it meant to lose a child. And I don't know if you were thinking about that um after the fact, but um and maybe maybe you could comment on that, um, Peter, uh, after um Audrey shares this this you know, how you all met and, and the reason why you all made this work.
3: Yeah. Well, thank you, sister. Um, first of all, um, I would like to say that I am appreciative to be on your platform. So I, I would like to say that, and I'm appreciative to all of your viewers and your fans and just the community as a collective, you know. Um, each one teach one reach one. And to just pretty much sum it up, um, I am a grieving yet a breathing mother. That's kind of um a phrase or um, like a sentence that I kind of like to say or I've coined because um, what I have faced and the trauma that I'm dealing with is um, something that I'll be dealing with with the rest of my life. And although my story um, is unique, it is very similar. You know, um, I have been inherited into a sea of grieving mothers, unfortunately. But the beauty of it is, is through the pain, the Sor Torian sore short documentary film was birthed. And um, just really quickly, Peter and I had the opportunity to meet, and um, we actually met on Valentine's Day. (laughs) And, um... I, I, I'll save that story for a little bit later, but we met on Valentine's Day, and uh, I approached Peter, and um, here we are. We've been working on Soratorium sore because it is a part of my healing. This is um, my journey, and those who have the opportunity to chime in, um, they also have the luxury of turning it off or not listening or turning, you know, a blind eye. But for myself, I'm continuing to be in the struggle with every day waking up, being reminded that I'm a current mother of two remaining surviving male children who are current targets, you know. And um, it's not because of them being menaces to society. It is because I've done everything that society has asked me to do. And now it is time for the community to pour in, You know, you have to be the change that you want to see. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, I would say that um, what's really important to note first is that we made a lot of decisions without talking about it out loud. We, Mm. uh, in retrospect, we say, oh, yeah, we agreed that uh, this film would just be very honest and very present and that we would pull no punches but also have no melodrama and uh, nothing gratuitous and um, that it it wouldn't drag anything out but on the other hand it would not shut down a mother's grief it would not silence her voice there's only one problem with me saying that though is we didn't discuss that in advance we just both immediately knew that's what we wanted and after the film was done we start talking about it and we realize there's this actual list of things that we agreed on without saying out loud Mm -hmm. um so it is kind of uh it it people discussing the film need to be just a little bit careful about saying oh they wanted to make a film like this yes we did but it was in the back of our heads not the front of our heads there was just so much where we just connected and we complemented each other um i'm pretty linear and she's pretty spatial in her intelligence and so it just worked out um Really well, and and then um, the kind of magic of the film happened after that. If I may go on just for another second, um, because we had that attitude, we found out that the film just starts all these conversations with people. Um, because we would show the film, the rough cut, to people to get feedback, and we would show it to people of color, and they'd all say, "Oh yeah, that's our life. Um, that's the way it is." And, uh, you know, they had a couple of little minor suggestions or something, but that's it. And then we showed it to very educated um, white people, even people who work in anti-racism. And they often said, um, you have to cut some of the suffering. You have to at least mm-hmm. cut away from her face, we heard. Uh, and, of course, we didn't do that. We didn't change any of those things. But what it did do is it started all these conversations. Why did people of color have one response, and you folks had a different one? What does that mean?
1: Yeah hmm. yeah, wow, that's interesting um and I don't know the process uh of making the film it seems really um sort of really fluid um I mean there are these moments uh-huh. when um I mean, you're, you're going through your, your son's belongings and, um, and, and there's, there's ritual, um, that's a part of it because as you go through Mm -hmm. the belongings, you're telling stories, um, and then sorting things and, um, Mm -hmm. learning to let go again, um, because these items have, um, you know, they're attached to memory, which is attached to your Mm -hmm. son and to the family, um yeah but then within but like right right when you're in the process of actually sorting through these items because they've been accumulating and you have too many um all over the right. house and bags um there'll be like just a window in the, you know in in uh as a part of the the screen and I don't know how you do that uh Peter, but it's really really a different way of 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 Filming. I mean, it's a, stylistically, yeah, it's like, and it'd and be like, this is where I am right in this moment, I am so sad, and I'm like, wow, and you do that a few times, and I was wondering mm-hmm. if you sort of talk mm-hmm. about stylistically how you all, you know, do this, you know, the choices you made, and, and how it ended up being just 20 minutes, because it could have been longer, right?
2: And what was the very last question?
1: How did it end the, the up being 20 minutes? Like, what were your decisions? Because it could have been longer, but it's just right.
2: Thank you. It Yeah, it's 30 minutes, and uh, there's definitely enough footage to make a feature film there if we wanted to. But, yeah, we did want it to be mm-hmm. succinct. Um, we feel it's more powerful that way.
3: Yeah, and... Um, mm-hmm. If I might add, it was very important um, without us giving too much away because we do want people to come and check um, the documentary out if possible. But it was very important for us to show the healing that I'm Mm -hmm. going through in a non-traditional way. We didn't want to go about things in a traditional manner. Um, because of the fact that I'm gonna speak for myself before this, I was not a, considered to be a film director. And so not only is this story about me, but I also now hold the title of being a film director, co film director with Peter Manichini. And so, um, for myself, all of this is new to an extent. You know, uh, based on my creativity, I often tell people everything that you need is already inside of your DNA. We just have to tap into it, you know. And so it was just very important for us to show me healing. In a non-traditional way, and those non-traditional ways are some of the um, images and some of the scenes that that you're talking about. You know, um, even there's a scene with um, the fire, and I won't go too far into that. You know, um, there's a scene with the shadow. I won't go too far into that, but all of these um, scenes are actual spaces in my life where I was um, having a break and I either needed a breakthrough or I was going to be broken down. So um, with that being said, we just thought that if we gave what we had, we wouldn't be bothered with how people saw it or thought about it. Because, again, originally it was not for the world. It was for me. Um, for my memory so that I can remember my deceased son and so that I can have um, proof of my footsteps. And so so often, African Americans, sometimes we don't have things to pass on to our children or we don't have money. And so I decided that this could be a gift of legacy and a gift of tapestry that I can give to my children and myself.
1: hmm
3: Right.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was um I was, you know, thinking about, about the uh the log line. It takes a community to heal, Ashay. And um yeah. and and so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that as well as as talk about um, you know, your son Torian. Tell us about him and also tell us about Your other two sons, because your family, I just love um, just as you're walking and just being with your children, you know, just the affection that everyone has for one another. Like the boys hold hands, and with Torian, the pictures and videos you have of of him, he's holding his his siblings, and, and you're hugging, and it's just really beautiful.
3: Okay, Okay, well, thank you so much, sister. Um, I think I'll pass the first two questions to Peter as far as the tagline, and then I'll chime in on the last two questions. Is that okay? Oh, certainly, certainly.
0: Okay, all right, Peter, how do we
3: come with the tagline community?
2: Yeah, we we finished the film, and I said... um, Candy Corn that every film has a, a log line, the little statement that's generally at the bottom of the movie poster and, you know, we'd worked so long together and I've done a lot of activist work with a lot of people anti eviction anti-war, anti-racism, anti-police violence, and I've met too many um, grieving mothers um, and uh, worked with the uh, Blueford Foundation um, or with Peter um, Stelli, and so I said, "Well, what if we said it takes a community mm-hmm. to heal?" Ache, and it just struck it—it it just like needed to be said, and then it really kind of brought everything together. That's really when we had lots of community people come and help us with the film, and we really felt like there was all this community power. So. I don't want to go too far with that, but it was almost like this magical thing. As soon as we started saying that, um, all kinds of great stuff started happening with us.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
2: But, yeah, those are great questions about uh, Candy Corn and her son. That was really striking to me. Everything that you said, I completely agree. Thank
3: you, Peter Mancini. Wow. I... I really don't know where to start because um, with the boys, they are just so amazing. And I'm not saying that because of my children. But like I mentioned in the film, everywhere I go, people are always praising me um, due to Amir and Zaire. And it's important for me to give that credit back to them because it first starts with them. Children come here with their own personalities. Let's get that straight. And then based on that, you know, we can kind of uh, massage it. But they come here, you know, the way that they are. And so for my children, they are very loving and nurturing and gentle young men. And so when I saw that in them, it was important for me to continue to help them develop that because I knew the world that they lived in would immediately try to strip them of that. Um, the world that we live in, males don't hold hands and you probably won't see two brothers holding hands. You might see two lovers holding hands, you know. And so love is love across the board. Relationships are relationships that are meant to be valued and it first starts with the I. It first starts, then, secondly, with the family, and then the community. But going back to what Peter was saying as far as the tagline, I just want to chime in. Um, We also thought... Once it all came together as far as it takes the community to heal, I shame, which means that so it is and so it shall be. Wonderful, magical things did begin to happen, but I always knew in the back of my mind um, that I also had shared with Peter and we know each other, you know, that I have shifted away from saying community and started building on the word village. The word community is simply people stacked on top of each other or living around each other based on um, finances and geographically being trapped to where you have been put based where your parents placed you. And if you haven't been able to migrate outside of that city or that town due to economics or being trapped in your mind, the, the chances is you're just stuck. So for me, um, I move away from community, and that's part of the reason why in the Q&A we're going to speak. It takes a community to heal, yes, but what I found is actually it takes a village because within that community is where you find the healing. And then within that community, there's going to be a village that draws out to you. And these are going to be the people that are going to not be your fans, but they're going to be your supporters and your helpmates. And they're not just going to be people that you know. And they're people that are invested in you, the human being, not the project. And that's what the difference is. Your village is people that you eat with, you sleep with, you break bread with, you commune with. And so I have shared this with my children as I have seen who they are. And um, Torian actually asked when he was two if he could have a brother, sister. I said, boy, you gotta pick one. Mama can't have a brother and a sister for you. And so he said he wanted a brother. <laughs> I told him, if you um be um um continue to be a good child of God, continue to be a good boy, be good to me, be good to the daddy that you have, I will give you a brother. So this little boy for four years straight was excellent to everybody in the world and I had to keep my word because I knew that this would be the very first bond. And moving forward, um, I had a mirror, and they never fought. I never had to deal with sibling rivalry. When Amir came, Amir said, I want a brother I said, You got a brother. He said, I want to be a big mm-hmm. brother. I said, will you be good to the brother you got. You be good. To continue to be good to me. Be good to the daddy that you got. And continue to be a child of God. Well, this little boy continued to ask me and duplicate the same pattern that his elder brother, Torian, had um, started. And mm-hmm. so, four years later, here it is actually five, because so they're all five years apart Torian, Amir, and Zaire. Mm-hmm. Here it is, Da'ira comes. I'm a, and I now here it is. That's why I say the black woman is a god with a little G. No blasphemy. We birthed a nation. So I gave birth to these fine three young little human beings. And um, when Da'ira came, which is my last child, he said, I wanna a brother. I say you've got a brother. You've got two brothers. What do you mean? I'm not trying to have a football field, and I, I just might give you that a girl, you know, because I'm still kind of doubtful. <laughs> and um, I did not go forth and give a fourth child. To I had at 17 years of age. He died at 17 years of age five days before Christmas, December 20th, 2015. It's been three years and five months. And um the reason why I because you're
1: you're you're signing um Audrey, Your little your your voice is a little far away. I, I can't hear you as clearly anymore.
3: Oh, I'm sorry, can you hear me now? Yeah. Is this mm-hmm. better.
0: Oh, okay. yeah, this is a lot better. I'm um, sorry. Mm-hmm.
3: I'm sorry, I have given all three brothers their wishes. Each brother Mm -hmm. had the brother that they had asked for after five years. (laughs) Mm Torian asked for Amir. Amir asked for Zaire. And Zaire asked for a brother. Well, I had ran out of names, and I didn't think I had the ability in me to um, birth a a boy. A girl might have (laughs) came. So. I said, you know, you guys continue to be good to each other, and I think that um, oh, I'm going, I'm going to cut cut off at this point. Well, moving forward, I had Torian at the tender age of 17. I am now 37 years of age. Torian died at the age of 17, five days before Christmas, December the 20th, 2015. So I am grateful. That, um, I listened to Torian because if I had not listened to him asking for a brother, I would not have Amir, and I would not have Zaire, and now Amir and Zaire both have the um the 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 gift that they wanted um Amir always wanted to be a big brother, and so now he actually has you know the gift we didn't expect for it to be like this. But Torian is our great ancestor, and we know that he is looking down on us and we are definitely grateful for the opportunity to share him and our family's messaging
1: mm nice, nice, yeah, yeah, so that's one and, why and the torian voice is so close. right, right and torian um this is his twenty this would have been his twenty first year right he would have been twenty one this year
3: yeah.
4: Yeah.
1: right right, yeah, mhm yeah um i i wanna um share share your each of your some of your bios um uh audrey uh candy corn, you are uh a leader in the west oakland african American community, having not only founded taz t a z foundation but you're also well known for your work with poor magazine homefulness, and decolonized academy. Uh, you currently work closely with the hashtag Love Life Foundation, uh Donald Lacey, um yeah. which provides youth mentoring services and education. And uh as a mother dedicated to moving your family's life forward in a positive way, you have worked as a fashion model and we see some of those photos of you looking so lovely and fabulous. Oh, I
0: love that.
1: Uh comedian, uh public Thank access you. cable show producer. And you have a large archive of video footage of your family's challenges, and you will be making more movies in the future. so we are so looking forward to that <laughs> <laughs> and and peter uh min uh uh-huh. min, uh, Mincini, uh you are min- based in San Francisco, and you are a filmmaker activist embedded with activists since two thousand eleven and I just love reading about what you've been up to over these many years um Thank you. In fighting for social justice, you have often risked arrest during uh, building takeovers and street protests. As you've used your videography to fight economic injustice, climate change, corruption, and racism, you have worked with Occupy San Francisco, Last Three uh, Percent, Mario Woods Coalition, Rising Tide North America, Greenpeace, Justice for Alex. Uh, is it Natio or NATO? How do you pronounce Nieto. his last name? Nieto. Seattle. thank you,
0: yeah.
1: um, ACCE, um, Archbishop uh, F.W. King of the John Coltrane Church, Poor Magazine, yeah. the Frisco Five, and too many others to count. And now you're looking yeah. to donate your eight terabytes of historic video footage you recorded to a historical society, and you want your next project to be a fictional feature film you've been working on since you were a child. Like, wow.
5: Yeah. So,
1: have you found um, a place to donate this historic video footage? And um, have you started this fictional feature yet?
2: Um, yes, the um, 8 terabytes uh, needed to be taken someplace because I mm-hmm. was forced out of my housing of 27 years. And um, several friends, y- yes, and several, and I was an anti eviction fighter, remember um and, towards
3: the end of us making our documentary might yeah, I add. yeah it was
2: so it was kind oh, of a uh, no. while uh, yeah i uh, and so we needed to donate it before something happened to it um i even had um the raid system for soar Sore on die on us as we were close to the end and we were worried that we'd lost soar on Sor. mm-hmm. we had to send it back to the mm-hmm. factory and wait a few weeks so we uh Uh, One of our friends at one of the um, anti-eviction groups, um, Tommy Avicola Mecca's group, um, bought an 8-terabyte system, and we just copied all the data over so that they could keep it and so that future generations can have it. And, and yeah, there's been – with Occupy, there was this one action I can think of where 90 students rushed into Bank of America and took it over, and I rushed in with them to interview people inside and get footage inside. You know, there's 300 photographers outside during that. I remember looking out the windows and going like, you don't get the good footage, I get the good footage. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and that's, you know, and that's, that's, yeah, that's my perspective. I want the good footage. Um, there's the... <laughs> The beach scene at the end of Sortori on Sort, I was being eaten alive Mm -hmm. by these little sand fleas. (laughs) They just love Mm -hmm. my Mexican and Italian skin. And I'm just like sitting there shooting that whole sequence and just like cringing the whole time. And then I had to get up and run away as soon as we were done shooting there. (laughs) Yeah,
3: it took us some time for that that one. (laughs) So, yeah, I
2: believe in being dedicated to your art. And uh, I'm really proud of. Uh, not only the work I've done, one thing is that all the people I've worked with are the most interesting people, the most interesting, powerful activists. I could start rattling off names, and they're, most of them aren't famous now, but in a few years they will be because of um, all the work they've done coming to fruition. Uh, so it's easier to name groups because uh, I don't like to miss people, but Eviction Free SF, um, I was honored to make a film with them and through their efforts, the combination of their protests and my film, um, this uh, greedy father, son landlord team had to sell six large buildings below market rate for low cost housing uh, to the San Francisco community land trust. And so they're still working on them, but they will become low cost housing for people. And um, it's hard to not be proud of that. And I'm, uh, people like Fred Zimmerman uh, and Aaron McIlvoy were the leaders in that. But I'm really proud of that work. And as far as um, the feature film, yeah, I really want to make that. It's something that I had the vague ideas for when I was six years old. It kind of started coming in together in one form when I was about 15. And then ever since, it's just morphed. But the ideas behind it are there. And it's designed to be my ultimate activist film where it really, reaches people um, and like like Sortory on sort I think it does it without being preachy that's the idea is it's just real and present
1: mm-hmm. right yeah and uh audrey um do you have any um any comments on um what i mentioned in you know in your in your bio um or any any comments for the audience that you are hoping to have um, at the theater um, on Sunday, June ninth at two thirty p.m. for the film, and uh, more importantly for for the stories and conversation that comes from your sharing, um, you know, and your family sharing, you know, this deeply personal, yet um, all too common story of loss um, of young people, you know, um, to violence. Yes. Yeah.
3: Well, um thank you. I would like to start by saying that um I I thought I had the flyer on me, it must have fell out of my purse, but um I am working I am a um co uh how do you say well it's twenty two of us and we have developed the the Oakland's very first Department of Violence Prevention. Oakland has never had mm. a Department of Violence Prevention, and after oh. uh, my son Toriandesha Hughes passed away, um, I hit the ground running even more so with trying to find out how could I personally create a change here in the city of Oakland, where I'm a native, and mm. I seem have to not be going anywhere and I want to be able to make it safe for my children and other people's children and all native, I mean, all people, you know, whether they're commuting in and out of Oakland, it doesn't matter. I'm, I have a love for all people. I'm a humanitarian. And so I'm just trying to make the world a better place. And in doing that, I think that um, making sure that Oakland has a department dedicated to preventing violence, um, not, Mm -hmm. not, policing the police not policing our own people <laughs> um it has nothing to do with the police at all it has to deal with it takes the hood to save the hood us being a village mm-hmm. in the community you know and being each other's brothers sisters and keepers and so <clears throat> i worked on this for um the two over t- two years two and a half years over and um the department was voted in two years ago and so it's here and on June the eighth, two thousand and nineteen, um, at I believe at Lake Merritt. Oh man, I don't like to give wrong information. But what I will say is this, um, we'll give information where the people can connect with us. Um, it is the Department of Violence coalition. It can be Googled if you just um Google Oakland um Frank Ogawa and City um Hall City yeah City Hall then all of the information will kind of be there for people to find out and become involved but we're definitely going to be creating a space there for people to come and see Soar Toriam Soar. Um, for free and get involved with this new Department of Violence Prevention. Um, I've helped assist, put over $300,000 for this um, department. We've moved $2 million. Um, This is a collective of um, regular, average, everyday people who have just gotten tired of Oakland being so violent And um, the Libby Shaft, our mayor, is satisfied with the 1% count that we have, and we are not. So I just wanted to say on June 8th, from 9 o'clock to 4 o'clock, we will be in the Lake Merritt area. It was supposed to be at the museum in Oakland, but it was too small. So that's what I'm involved in. Um, my children are the very first children, the TAS Foundation to participate. They gave their mission statement to this department, which simply um, says um, the foundation is built on the morals and values of eradicating hatred and violence through approaching life with compassion, kindness, integrity, and love. Three brothers dedicated, but instead of it saying three brothers, it says this correlation is dedicated to creating a love life culture, etc., etc etc et so I'm excited for that and um along with um the poor who has given the boys the opportunity to have issue me stranger danger issue me that's capital i then s h y subtraction sign capital m E, Stranger Danger Saga, you can find at poorpress.net. And we also want to make sure that people are pouring into the people and the organizations that we mentioned, because if it were not for these people, we would not be able to do the work that we do, and I would not be able to get to him. So Amir and Zaire, really quickly, both are straight-A students. They both are purple belts. Well, let me take that back. Amir has all A's and one B+. Plus. He's 15. Zaire has all A's and one C+. Plus. He is 10. Both boys are purple belts, and they also do a spiritual dance called Dancer for people in the community just to continue to do the good works that they do. So what I'm asking is just for people to pour into these young men, which is the TAS Foundation and Issue Me Stranger Danger, which is an anti-bullying campaign anti-bullying gear, which is a clothing apparel, along with their book. And this is how we're making a difference. The book and the T-shirt is $20, and um, for every book that's sold, that's how we pay our rent. Our rent is $156 because we are on um, subsidized housing. So with that being said, we are pipelining our way out of poverty, junctioning up with people like um, the Circle of Eight and Homeless. And I'm just grateful that you've given us the opportunity again to plug in some of these people in our village to continue to give the gift that keeps on giving, which is being each other's keepers.
1: Wow. Well, thank you so much, um, Audrey and and Peter, for for joining us to talk about SOAR, Tori and SOAR, which again is um, having its uh, premiere um, Sunday, June ninth at two thirty p.m. at uh, the Roxy in San Francisco, and then it's going to be followed by a community discussion. And I wanted to ask if um, Peter, if you could perhaps um, email me um, the the date. Uh, not the date but the location of the um of the June eighth um um Oakland Department of, of violence um prevention we'll, we'll get um that to you. Event. yeah that's yeah, as super as, we as well as that. links Sure, and and then links to the books and the T shirts and any other product I can I can you know sort of bundle that <laughs> with with the right. description so people and and I'm sure you're gonna have hopefully have some of these items um the books and the T shirts perhaps at the uh, screening um, um at the Roxy next week.
2: Yeah, we hope to do that and. Um... Mm-hmm. Uh, Candy Corn's Patreon page is patreon.com forward slash Taz Foundation, T-A-Z. So people can always go there and look at um, our trailer is there. Our uh, Mm -hmm. few videos uh, announcing um, what we're doing with Film fests are there. Um, Mm -hmm. The other thing that I wanted to make sure that your listeners know is that the Roxy Cinema for the June 9th showing is one block from 16th and Mission BART. So it's really easy to get to if you're in the East Bay and um, you want to come check us out. We'd like to support the support. Um, we've been very careful to reach out to the community because we want We love to get questions in that 90 minutes from people who go to Film Fests or people who like documentaries. That's awesome. But it's even better if we also have questions from the community from oppressed groups who've um, suffered violence um, and who can um, talk about those, you know, two different kinds of reactions that we got, and and join that discussion um, with us uh, because that does—we've just noticed how that's really made healing happen. Yeah,
3: right. And yeah. one thing that I would like to add is,
2: well, is
1: um, and and then the and then we'll why. have, to, well, excuse me, Audrey, and then we'll have to. Um, to go um to to move on because my other guest has been like in the studio for for about ten minutes now, but we can definitely oh, um sure. you know have you on again to talk more about about what you're doing but go ahead and 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 give your last um
3: comment. Oh thank you dear sweet sister queen. Well I just wanted to say that um also once we got through with making um on so we thought that this would be a definite way that the TAS Foundation and all of the things that you just said would be able to help us monetarily because that's part of the reason why I began to cry. You know um with that not having support of having the house being able to clean and all of the things that I'm doing in the community there's no reason why me and the children should be struggling to pay rent and PG&E and have food to eat you know so I just wanted to say that I am not on welfare and it's nothing wrong with that but I'm teaching the children how to live and how to work with their hands and how to be creative so thank you for that
1: oh you're quite welcome well congratulations again on this wonderful work you know it's been many years coming and um and I hope that, um, Peter, that you have housing. Do you?
2: <laughs> thank you. I think, thank you. It okay. looks like I might be happy, <laughs> but we won't talk about that
1: now. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. And, um, yeah, I look forward to uh, seeing you in, in the theater. I, I really want to be in the house. So hopefully everything will work thank out you. that I can be there to see, Um, you know, sort of how the story hits an audience, how it hits, you know, the village. Yeah.
0: Great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you
1: so much. <laughs> right, you take good care. Sure. Peace and blessings. Okay. Peace and blessings.
2: Bye-bye.
6: Bye-bye. Bye bye. <laughs> bye. Hi, Janice. Um, is it Hawkins? Hawkins. Yeah, Jan Hawkins. Yeah. How? How are you? I'm good. I'm in Seattle right now for the Seattle International Film oh. Festival. Oh, We're my film is screening, but so much looking forward to coming to the Bay Area. For the one coming okay. up. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're director of Our Bodies, Our Doctors,
1: which is screening at SF Doc um, Sunday, uh, June 9th, um, same day as yeah, um, so you people, know, the directors that preceded. Yeah, yours is in the yeah, evening so at 7 p.m. it's
0: a and satisfying day of powerful documentaries.
1: <laughs> and then yeah, it's also Yeah, I think people night, should, should get there early and just hang out. Mm hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and and then your film is also screening the following day, uh, Monday, June tenth, at seven p.m. And um, and actually, I uh, I I have the uh, the the trailer that I could play, and then we could talk about this film, which I I watched. I saw all of it except the closing ten minutes or so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so really great stories <laughs>
6: thank you oh yeah,
1: <laughs> so I'm gonna play the trail, and then we could talk about about this work, which uh, I okay. think is really important that that it's and really pertinent and timely you know that it's it's you know we're seeing it now,
6: yes, so yeah, this is our friendly protester, Sarah here every day. Right now about one in every three women has an abortion at some point in the United States. Um, We're going to be working together today, okay?
3: I can't fix
6: all of the other stuff that potentially led to that being a situation that she is having to now manage. I can't fix the fact that she no longer has her same insurance or she's Now in the second trimester because it took her ten weeks to raise the money to be able to get here. But I can fix her immediate problem.
5: Okay, how are you feeling right now? We'll just kind of have you hang out here for a little bit. All right. A lot of times people say, you know, why do women get abortions? Like, what do they say? And I say, you know, honestly,
2: for the majority of procedures I do, I have no idea why they're going to abortion because I don't ask.
6: Feel like going next door? You can walk.
2: As a provider. You have to ask yourself, who in the room knows what's best for that woman's situation? You know, is it me, or is it her?
7: Now we're at a juncture where we have a government that's trying to outlaw abortion, stigmatize it, defund it, and to do so is not going to mean that abortion is going to go away.
6: Have you found that some students are really passionate about it, but? Um, are too scared to actually do it afterwards because we've all heard you know the horrific news stories.
0: The transition to freestanding clinics had some downstream consequences. Abortion providers began to be viewed as outside the mainstream of medicine. They're kind of viewed as rogue physicians. Dr. George Tiller was my former boss.
6: After he was assassinated, it was either pack up and Find a different line of work or dig in and not let these extremists, these terrorists, um, tell us what
0: to do. <laughs> <kind of> <laughs> I go
6: to Oklahoma City and Wichita because there aren't doctors that perform, particularly second trimester abortions, in those states. I'm just going to feel your cervix, okay?
0: Are you nervous? Oh, that's normal. It's okay. Everybody's nervous before this. The people that came into
2: abortion care a generation or so ago came into it out of feminism and watching so many women suffer under illegal abortion.
7: It's not about are you for adoption, are you for abortion, are you for birth justice, are you for LGBTQ rights. A reproductive justice framework allows for the intersectionality of these issues.
6: Abortion becomes more psychologically messy because of this other potential being. If we don't talk about it, the stigma continues. If you're going to be pro-choice, you need to know what actually happens.
1: Um, I was uh, you know, reading your director's statement and uh, and then when I, I think about um you know, the shortening of your name, um, to Jan, I think about the Janes. <laughs> and yeah. um I'm an yeah, affinity and I have a Right, totally. And I mean, you know, you're a professor of psychology and you're a documentary filmmaker and a feminist And uh, you write in your director's statement that your filmmaking has taken you from refugee war zones and mental asylums to drag bars, hip-hop clubs, and dairy farms, all places where work is carried out on the social margins and in jobs that are commonly misunderstood. And and then you talk about sort of how you made our bodies our doctors and again you say you turn your camera to the work done by those who are ignored or caricatured by the mainstream uh that is abortion providers whose skill, compassion and courage is often overlooked and unseen. I was wondering if you could talk about about this project, um, you know, which was a significant investment in just sort of uh sharing the stories of the people who do this work, and it's dangerous work, um, uh, definitely necessary. And and you start um, with sort of unrolling um, just the um, the argument in 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 favor of giving women the right to have you know choices around their bodies and and being able to have abortion as as a choice um, um, because legally at the time that um this particular argument was being made, it wasn't legal and women were dying. Um and it's still mm-hmm. dangerous. And yeah, and I and I'd like like you really talk to a lot of doctors. Um, maybe because you're <laughs> an insider. Uh <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you you really lay it out. Four cities, three generations, a quiet rebellion. Yeah, talk about this
6: work. <laughs> well, Um, I was initially brought into a a team at the University of Michigan Ann Arbor that has carried out research Mm -hmm. on abortion stigma with doctors in um, many countries in Africa and Latin America as well as in the U.S. And they wanted to bring some of their findings on abortion stigma into the medium of a documentary film because um, academic papers only carry you so far. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. they, um, and this was also a way of reclaiming visual culture that so much of the imagery people carry in mind around abortion is dominated by anti abortion forces. And so the, the the reality of this work and what it's like to every day walk into a clinic and walk the gauntlet, past signs, and to suffer the more quiet forms of stigma in the medical profession, um, I, I became very interested in this work. And as you said in your in intro, I, I'm very interested in jobs that are undervalued and misunderstood and work that some pe- some people call dirty, uh, dirty work, um, the mm-hmm. work that other people sometimes don't want to do, our dependency on people who carry out work that um, is kind of separated off from from a a dominant field. And certainly this work, it's still the case in the field of medicine, um, that this is not well-paid work. Um, Abortion procedures are among the lowest cost medical procedures in this, in our system that is a very expensive system. Um, but, But because clinics and doctors are committed to making sure women have this care still and have fought for it, it is still available, although it's a shrinking terrain because of the legal attacks on it. So I, I wanted to um, just honor these um, these providers. And I was my first career was as a registered nurse, and I worked at a feminist clinic in Los Angeles, including assisting with a, abortion procedures, and have had a, a longstanding interest in not only Um, abortion, but how to think about it in a larger context of reproductive justice. And that was an important part of the ethical commitment and political commitments of providers most identify with that that approach that that Black feminists developed in the mid-1990s called reproductive justice, where it's also about how we care for women and, and the children we bring into the world. And that if, if choice is to mean anything, it's important to have the choice about whether or not to be sexual with whom, um, whether to have children but to care for the ones we have. And so this, this became an important part of the context. So I wanted to bring, bring abortion up close and personal but also in context.
1: Mhm. Yeah, yeah. And um uh as as um you know we um we meet the uh the first um uh clinicians uh in uh, Oklahoma City. Uh I just look at how how beautiful um you know that field is, you know, with the uh um that the oil field. But the flowers are so beautiful. And I'm thinking,
6: like, wow. Um, yeah, it's like such a to beautiful be a little shot. Ju- juxtaposition in that shot. <laughs> oil rig. Well, <laughs> right. Yeah, right. I'm thinking be- like there's beauty, beauty there, but also ugliness.
1: <laughs> definitely, right, right, yeah. And I, I guess that's that that happens too. You know, with abortion, because, um, you know, um, I think someone says that. Um, everyone is a you know all women are affected by by this 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 procedure it's not like getting your tooth filled or you know um getting your teeth clean i mean it's it's an emotional um there's an emotional um uh there is emo, there are emotions connected to to the procedure and uh and for some women um you know it's it's you know it's a fast procedure and some they you know they they need more help you know getting right. through this and 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 then you show so beautifully um um how the doctor is talking to um the woman the patient and and meanwhile there there's a woman holding her hand and somebody else rubbing her shoulder and i mean everyone's being really calming uh, words and it's and but it doesn't sound like a script. You know how when you go into the store and people ask you, "Did you find everything?" And you know, <laughs> yeah, you, know, you need it help. Seems like it right. seems like more like a check off box for statistics. But this, this, <laughs> like this seems to be coming from a real genuine place. And then we learn later on yeah. that um, in one story, um, the doctor was the patient of her mentor.
6: <laughs> I'm like, yeah.
1: Whoa, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
6: yeah. Yes, and uh, the the ethical commitment to provide care and acknowledging that it it was an important principle behind this work for the providers. There has been a lot of talk among conservatives about conscientious objection to providing, um, whether it's abortion or contraception or whatever. And this has been... Challenge in terms of whether this is an abuse of conscientious objector objection because if you're trained, it would be like if you're trained as a surgeon, say, well, I have a conscientious objection to cutting open a body. Well, then go into a different field, you know. And some say doctors mm-hmm. who are trained to do this, where it's expected and legal as a procedure, should not be using that, um, or they should go into a different field. But these doctors and the nurses and other providers are very um, committed to a concept of conscientious provision. That is that their ethical commitment as healers centers on being available to people in the time of need and making sure people who are in a vulnerable position have respectful care and that they um they kind of walk the gauntlet and walk the talk to apply that principle. And I, I have enormous respect for people who do this work under the conditions they they do it. I don't think we have to over-idealize them or romanticize them because it's it's their job. You know, for many, it's it's a job and, and they're, some are uncomfortable with being over-romanticized. But on the other hand, I think that they have not been paid the kind of respect due for how difficult their this work is under the political conditions it's carried out.
2: Mhm.
1: Right, right, yeah, yeah. I um I I was, you know, looking, you know, like early on and throughout the film you, you give us um statistics and it was like, wow, between two thousand ten and two thousand sixteen three hundred laws changed. That's a lot of laws.
6: And, yeah, and more um, recently yeah
1: mhm
6: as well yeah mhm
1: yeah and then and then um you know you give us the the move from abortions being uh, a procedure that happens in a hospital um to the opening of clinics and and the differences between the two and then also how um um if something, you know, happens in the clinic where a woman might need more, uh, uh, need some additional medical attention, um, there are a few places that um, a woman could be sent to, but there aren't a whole lot. And um, I was just sort of like, right. I have like all these these notes. But, yeah, yeah, and, and then you also, um, you know, you talk about Dr. George uh, Tiller, who was assassinated and then um uh, um I guess the, the uh doctor who was he was a mentor to um Julie um, Burkhardt I believe um she yes. founded a clinic. Yeah.
6: Yes. And and carried on that work. And mm-hmm. the, during the nineties there were I think eight, eight or nine um doctors Assassinated, and as well as many, many clinic bombings and other threats of violence during the 90s. Um, and there's, um, and I, I wanted to acknowledge that history, but also emphasize, as the doctors themselves do, that that you can over um, overstate the scariness of of these threats, and for the most part. Um, this is a safe occupation, and people have found ways of dealing with security issues and security in, in numbers. And and the and but that that security depends on the support of the community, and people are more vulnerable to um, threats when they're isolated. So that for me was an important message as well that the safety and security of of this area of healthcare depends on a very big village <laughs> with others um su- supporting supporting the work and making sure that women have access to care in a safe way.
0: Mhm.
1: Right, right. Yeah. And um uh and and then sort of like when I when I looked at the title of of the film our bodies our doctors I thought about our bodies ourselves. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, so <laughs> and, and yeah. <laughs> Mhm. I knew the I know the book, yeah, it's a classic. And uh, I didn't necessarily remember all of the history around it, but I, I definitely know that it's a classic and um Doctor Willie, um, uh it's just great the way you have all these doctors coming in and out, you know, both men and, and women doctors, um, just yeah. sort of giving background and giving history and I mean we even go into um, you know, a doctor's home and, you know, Meet her husband and her daughter, and i'm like oh wow this is
6: this is really well, cool she's getting ready to <laughs> well, she's getting ready to to uh fly to Oklahoma, uh for that for, to provide care there. I actually um ended up not including that Ma- she's the only one where you see you go into her personal her home life a little mm-hmm. bit um but I ended up. Um, focusing very much on relationships at work, and early on I had more of a backstory on each of these people, but then I mm-hmm. ended up, um, you know, you have to make choices as a filmmaker, and you can only include so much. And then um, it became an interesting project for me to sh- to draw out the relational ties of work and how um, how formative relationships with co-workers are and I think the work site as a place of life and relationships and solidarity is is often overlooked and a lot of film relationships are about home and family but I I wanted to bring out the workplace and the and the transmission of of knowledge from one generation to the next there are a lot of young
0: teens in the film
6: and older Mm -hmm. Uh, older doctors and nurses and staff kind of training people and transmitting knowledge. So um, other than the doctor getting ready to take to go on that trip, which seemed to call for more for her, <laughs> more of a story for her, um, it's, it's really centered on uh, work relationships. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um that that's why it was it really stood out because I'm like oh okay yeah. we're in our house yeah yeah, yeah right. mm-hmm yeah and I wanted you to um uh maybe comment on and and I'm glad it's included um because um if it would have been left out uh it would have been really noticed the whole idea of of abortion and Planned Parenthood and um being used uh as as ways to um decrease populations like black people you know like to have um you know sort of pushed as as a strategy uh in black communities and and black people don't well not, I can't say everybody but quite a few of us don't trust um you know the uh the medical uh system you know for a lot of reasons um you know the tuskegee experiments which you 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 mentioned um you know the syphilis uh experiments you know that people were given you know were injected with the syphilis virus and or if they had it it was allowed to to keep going and they thought they were being treated and they weren't but um I just if you could talk about uh about that part of the film and and then maybe segue into this Catholic hospital system thing and it's like, wow, that was really interesting.
0: Yeah,
6: I I think it's it's important to always acknowledge that when a community has uh, uh, is distrustful, that there's a history often of that distress. And Willie mm-hmm. Parker talks about this campaign, this billboard campaign that was particularly active about a decade ago, you still see this mm-hmm. rhetoric around that that where um, the claim is that abortion is part of, of, of genocide, um, black genocide, and that um, these doctors are trying to wipe out the black race. And Willie Parker, who's a black um, Obtyn provider and advocate in this field for decades, um, took that on and, and, and explained how the anti-abortion movement has been able to, to exploit a history of distrust and statistics that show that um, women of color have higher rates of abortion as do women who are poor or in vulnerable situations in general. And there are a number of reasons for that. One is if your life is very stressful and you don't have access to health care or don't have access to a base of security, um, it can be difficult to manage pregnancies. And so the, the fact of, of higher rates of abortion in, in communities of color has been used as we have attacking the doctors who provide this service, and so that that was an important to, um, and I think for people to recognize how a history of of distrust and racism within the healthcare system can be used in these kinds of campaigns, and um, that needs to be addressed, and also to acknowledge the history of racism that continues in our healthcare system. Some of which involves um, who gets access to services, um, the lack of prevention care, you know, higher rates of, of diabetes or hypertension in some communities are related to other and these health indicators related to that, other aspects of well-being. So abortion is tied up in a larger web of factors related to well-being. But that it's still important if women decide they do not want to bring a child into the world for whatever reason, that they have that that they are able to make that decision for themselves and not be forced to carry pregnancies that are either unplanned or or not wanted. Um, so that that was um, and then there was there was another another theme that you asked me about.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was just really um I I assumed, um, that as a part of, of um a resident's training that, you know, besides learning about how to how to care for uh, a woman who had a miscarriage and um I thought that abortion how to uh how to um I guess, administer that procedure, I thought that that was a part of the medical training, and that's not necessarily so. So people sometimes, depending on where the the, the uh, intern was getting his or her training, uh, the person might have to go take a workshop somewhere else, like fly somewhere else like another state <laughs> to get training. I'm like, oh, right. wow, that's interesting. And And then I don't know if that was connected to the uh, the whole idea of Catholic hospitals and and um, and and their guidelines, which differ from, let's say, uh, secular um, hospitals, um, as to what their um, I guess what their doctors are allowed to what procedures they're allowed to uh, to perform or what yes. they are allowed to learn if they're training there.
6: Yes, and that. That was, for me, became an important um, part of the story of abortion care in the United States that emerged out of of the making of the film. I did not realize, even on the Pacific, you know, the progressive areas of the country like the West Coast, the number of hospital mergers that have led to hospital care being under the control of what's called the Bishop's Ethical and Religious Directives which impose many restrictions on legally um, le- legal services. And indeed, OBGYN residents are required to be licensed to know how to perform abortions because it's part of also miscarriage management. It's basically the same mm-hmm. procedure. It's standard now and it's required, but then that comes into conflict with laws in different places. It also comes into conflict with what can be done in Catholic hospitals. So, for example, in the state of Washington where I am right now, about half of the hospital beds are under the control of those bishops' directives. So if a woman, and even if it's a non-viable pregnancy, even if the the pregnancy is going to end, as long as there is a heartbeat, they will not end that pregnancy, even though the woman's life is in danger. And Mm -hmm. some call this malpractice engaging in a in a practice that you know is going, is putting your patient at risk. And um it's certainly I think unethical and many people are not aware of the restrictions on um on Catholic healthcare centers and what doctors and other providers can do in those settings even if women's lives are at risk. Mm-hmm. Right. I think there's yeah. been a more focus on the on the on the fanatical preachers on the streets yelling at women when they come in with their bloody fetuses on the sign, But, you know, there are these the people in my film who have more power really are in these institutions where they can make decisions about what can be done and what can't. Um and have doctors sign restrictive clauses saying they won't Perform certain procedures even even if a woman's health is at risk, so that seemed to me like a lesser known part of the the story of abortion care in America
1: right, yeah, yeah, it was definitely an eye opener for me and um at the part where um uh, my my viewing ended um we were looking at um uh sort of uh, care for um uh lesbian, gay, transgender, um queer, uh patients and, and the intersection. Again that was Dr. Willie Parker talking about, you know, um reproductive justice. Um and yeah. and the intersection and of these issues. Mm hmm. Right. Mhm. Yeah. And um and so inclusion I, I just wanted you to maybe um just sort of talk about uh You know, what your hope is for the work, uh, particularly, you know, in light of what's happening presently um, in our country around these rights being rescinded um, uh, across this country in various states and, um, yeah, and how this fits within the context of, of, of your body of work. And and just on the on the other side, how how do you how do you make films and also teach? How do you do both? Like it seemed like you would. I mean, like both could take all your time. How do you do both? <laughs>
6: well, I'm not professor <laughs> and, and and emeritus, so I've, yeah, and I've, I've oh, I'm no longer in my private practice, and I'm professor emeritus, so I'm I've been delivered from some of. Some of that balancing act. Although I still work with (laughs) students on my teams, but um, throughout most of my career, uh, which primarily was at the Portland State University, I incorporated films and videos into my field research. So many of my students Mm. did their masters or doctoral dissertations based on field data carried out in the course of making a film, because I'm also an activist and I feel that this is a, a medium where you can take scholarly complex ideas into a form that people can understand and find accessible. Many more people see my films and have read my books and articles. I can tell you that. So it's very mm-hmm. gratifying also in terms of your, your question of my, my hopes for the project. I, I think there's there's still a lot of mystery around abortion, and that I wanted to get beyond just pro-choice rhetoric and ha- give people a deeper understanding of um, of the of the work itself. You can't defend something very effectively if you don't understand it, and it's still very mm-hmm. hidden. Uh, many people don't realize, for example, that early term. Abortions are done in about five minutes, very simple. But later term are more complex, medically, um, emotionally, and and, um, and ironically, all these laws are pushing more and more vulnerable women into later term, uh, ter- later terminations. So, um, and I wanted to be able to defend that because that's where a lot of the attacks are now, are later and later. Women themselves are seen as well. You just didn't get around to it and somehow just wanted to get an abortion because you wanted to go to a party that night. That kind of horrible rhetoric you hear. And mm-hmm. there are, you know, there are a significant number about 15% of abortions are after the first term, but they are overwhelmingly women in stressful life situations who've taken, who had to take time. Partly because of the society we live in to figure out what to do to get the resources to get someplace to to um to get an abortion and so I wanted to create a film that was um was uh, um instructive so I'm basically a teacher <laughs>
0: um
6: but also satisfying to watch and it's it's been gratifying to me that people find it also a beautiful film to watch as well as and educational, and can hopefully um, stimulate discussion and dialogue. I, I try to um, create films that don't promote caricatures, but allow people of maybe different points of view or people who are more ambivalent to to talk about um, whatever it stirs for them. So that's um, that's why why I make movies and why I love these. Settings where you can also have a discussion afterwards on both Monday, Sunday and Monday at the Roxy. I mean, at the um, yeah, at the Roxy Theater. Mm-hmm. It's probably, it's yeah. I'll be there. Yeah, for the Q and A afterwards, which are always um, re- really interesting to see what the film uh, stirs for people. Mhm. Right. Right. Yeah.
1: Um. Are any? Um. I don't remember any doctors that are in the Bay Area, um, but. Are you gonna, or do you have friends here, or do you have colleagues here that might be in the audience to um, yeah, uh, to talk um, from that particular perspective?
6: Yeah, and i now on your show. I'm giving a shout out. <laughs> yes, but there will be um colleagues and friends, um, people at the Bixby Center at UC San Francisco, have been are involved, and this is Carol Jaffe, who's written a fabulous a number of books, one Doctors of Conscience about mm-hmm. the ethical commitments that guide this work. Um she's been a big supporter of this. So we have we have some great supporters. NARAL is a co sponsor, NARAL, California. Um and some of some of the um staff and supporters will be do there as well. Mhm. So I hope what people, is what is I people come up. Yeah, what does Mira um stand for? Nayro is uh, the National Abortion um oh, NARAL. Okay. Action League. NARAL, yeah. Okay. Cool, super.
1: Okay, great, great. Um well this uh definitely uh your film um is really topical, but it seems like all your work is uh, which is great um that it has currency and uh yeah, and hopefully, um, you know, some politicians will be in the audience as well, and, uh, or someone will <laughs> yeah, send them okay. a link, and, and yeah, uh-huh. yeah, so that they can, you know, take it into these various spaces where um, um, there's a lot of ignorance, because you know, it starts out with, "Do you want to come in?" You know, the protester is asked. You know, so you can see yeah, what uh-huh. happens. You
8: know, and it's like, uh-huh. oh, you.
1: Yeah. so yeah, uh-huh. so you don't want to like see. What actually happens? So you can. So uh-huh. if you want to protest, we should be be protesting from an informed position, as opposed right. to a position of ignorance.
6: Right, and that yeah. that was also kind of a a a call out to the audience as well. You have feelings about this? Mm-hmm. Well, come on in. So the film is kind of that that same, hopefully, that same invitation. Come in and look, look behind the curtain. You imagine what's going right. on here. Well, let's see. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So give our audience the website for the film so they can, you know, um, you know, sort of find out more about behind yes, the scenes that, and read more about the doctors
6: and providers. That would be great. It's um, www.ourbodiesourdoctors.com. dot com. So the title the title of the film Our Bodies OurDoctors.com. It's more background on um, the trailer, of course, that you played, but also background on the participants and upcoming um, screenings beyond DocFest. But we're we're, um, very um, honored and happy to be part of the San Francisco DocFest program this year. Yeah, it's really outstanding. Yeah, I would encourage people to buy their tickets in advance because mm-hmm. they will, um, their they determine the the size of the of the the theater room based on ticket sales. But so um, I encourage people to buy their tickets as soon as possible.
0: Oh,
1: that's a good point. Thanks for saying that. I I didn't know that that particular fact about how certain films get certain theater spaces and others get the larger ones. Um, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's good to know. And um, and if people are interested in um, uh sort of following you know your your work and seeing what you're going to be doing next, um, how do they do that?
6: Well, I also have a website where people can learn about my other films on difficult jobs. Um, that's jhaken dot com. J H A A K E N jayhawken.com Okay. Cool. Super.
1: Are you in production, or or ideas, or writing about uh, your next film?
6: Well, in fact, I I've just uh, finished a film on lawyers oh, wow. who defend climate <laughs> activists who are engaged in civil oh, disobedience, right. yeah, and it yeah, it's called Necessity: Oil, Water, and Climate Resistance, and it's about allyship working uh, indigenous and non-indigenous allies working in the, the struggle against the oil pipelines. So we actually had a private screening of a work in progress in Oakland um, about oh. a month ago to raise funds for oh. that. I'd
0: love to be back on your show for that one
6: at some point. Oh yeah. Totally. That's
0: about, yeah. yeah. It's
6: about these activist lawyers. Um, and mm-hmm. so it's, Similar in that way because that's very controversial in the field of law. The use of this, um, the uh, necessity defense, uh, which is engaging in civil disobedience um, mm-hmm. as a, as a way of bringing an issue to the courts and saying I I engaged in this I I broke this law but this is the reason why. And civil disobedience has a long history in the civil rights movement and other um, the women's movement. And so I bring that, the history of civil disobedience, into that film as well. So, yeah, oh, You've got I, some interesting films.
1: Yeah, I was just like just scrolling <laughs> down, like looking at the other ones, Our Bodies, Our Doctors, which we were speaking about. Uh, Kuepo, um which in yeah, uh, a- Kiswahili means uh, being, being there. Yeah, Uh yeah, that looks interesting. Uh, And it's also about the daily lives of doctors, nurses, and medical assistants in the Nairobi region of Kenya uh, as they provide post-abortion care for women. I was like, oh, this is like a a
6: prequel to...
1: (laughs) Yes,
0: it was. There were two of these people
6: that were supported by the University of Michigan, Ann Arbor. And and then Uh I decided to do this long feature... A feature film documentary because it seemed like there's a lot to be said for what's going on in this country as well and a, a bigger bigger story to be told. But yes I did those two two short films. puepo is available to watch on um mm. YouTube so people can just um watch it. But that that um that was a very um it was a very powerful experience being there and Seeing how providers mm. there kind of navigate gray areas of the law mm. in Kenya.
0: Wow, yeah.
1: So I highly encourage people to go to your your website, jhaaken.com, dot uh, com. Jan Hawkins, psychology and documentary filmmaker. Filmmaking, yeah. What a great combination, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: right. I I found it very um
6: very satisfying so far. So, um mm-hmm. hope I can continue for some time to do this work. Right. A lot of yeah. interesting documentaries to be made.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then and then your books too. Um, Hard Knocks, Domestic Violence and the Psychology of Storytelling. Oh, I'm gonna send you an email.
0: <laughs> okay. Wow, this we'll is so awesome. Form.
1: Yeah. Pillar of Salt. What a great title. Pillar of Salt, gender, memory and apparels of looking back. That's great. And then memory matters context for understanding sexual abuse recollections. Oh, you are some woman, my goodness.
6: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, this is a really lot of great work follows, follows um, difficult dilemmas in social movements and mm-hmm. um so there a number of my works are on memory and some of the complexity of human memory, so it's it's both about as an activist finding space to tell our stories and have our truths be told, and making more space mm-hmm. for marginalized groups. But storytelling is very complex. Our stories include symbols and metaphors, and they're not always just a literal reflection of what happens. But they carry right. um, metaphorical meaning. So I've I've written quite a bit of on memory and um storytelling so that, those are some of the those are important themes in the books you mentioned.
1: Mhm, yeah, yeah, I'm really interested in in trauma and memory, and how um you know when there's a traumatic event, um your brain changes, and so the way that one remembers is not necessarily accurate per se um and uh but it's a way that makes it so that uh a person can can cope with you know, everyday life. And so, yeah, right. so you wonder. The brain's like,
6: complicated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: right, it is, it is. And so uh-huh. and so those memories those those um uh those altered memories, you know, have relevance. Um and uh
5: That's but it right. is
1: different. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's, and it's one this is the way you say
6: it. Yeah, and one event Go ahead. or an image can represent something broader, bigger than itself. It can represent mm-hmm. a whole class of experiences. So, yeah, I've been very interested in the politics and psychology of memory and, and how memory and storytelling operates within social movements. how we take into account the complexity of the mind in how we listen to each other's stories.
1: Right. And then and then what happens when there is no language yet? Like for instance the memories uh of, you know, pre verbal. Like for instance I, I uh I did some research, um I'm a deaf psychologist. I did some research on one of my field studies on uh children that were nonverbal um when Katrina happened and now, you know, they're older. And so yeah. what's going on with them now that they have language, but they had none then, um, you know, how, you know, sort of are, what's going on yeah. with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really so interesting. Oh,
0: wow. Well, in, in,
6: in, interesting and, and important questions. And because early mm-hmm. years are so formative, if if the ground under your being isn't secure, that stays with you. but. Mm -hmm. It it also, I I think what can get lost in some of the trauma movement is the the enormous capacity for people to make use of new experiences to um, ground themselves and uh, human resilience is also a a remarkable aspect of how, how we've developed and coped with tremendous suffering over history. Uh, I think oppressed groups have also been able to make use of new opportunities when they come their way um, and and to be able to take suffering into culture create create meaningful ways of using past suffering and so there's that side mm-hmm. of it too that i I try to emphasize,
1: mhm. Yeah, because a lot of times people think that um, because something horrible happened or they might have done something horrible that they're stuck and or trapped in that particular um, uh, behavior, like, oh, God, right. I'm doomed. I'm going to do this too. And right. um, I damaged can't remember the name life. of the.
8: Yeah.
1: Right, right, but you're not damaged for mm-hmm. life in, in those particular experiences. If one is able to articulate them or have them come out, and you know you process it, then yeah, um, an exam in life really does change things.
6: Yes, and I I think the our whole system of criminal justice is often based on that notion that people make bad choices and then are somehow um, damaged and and. Um, banished for long periods of time that um mm-hmm. don't take into account how people can do better under you know when they're supported in some way have new experiences mm-hmm. so um yeah oh, wow so that's great anyway these are some of the themes in my work and um I I, I think like with our bodies are doctors I I <laughs> and the people mm-hmm. often don't want to don't want to think about and but to help people.
1: patriarchal guardian, you know not her father, not her husband, not the medical industry, um which you know in the past, and I don't know now, but I think probably still is overwhelmingly male um you know it's it's her choice, it's her body, and, and so the whole idea of agency, you know, like women
8: mm-hmm,
1: yeah, yeah that that goes from the beginning all the way till the end, you know it's like that's that's one of the key things <laughs> like. A woman has agency over her own person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for, for this wonderful conversation. Um,
6: oh. Uh, Jan, well,
0: thank and It's you, been Andrew. really, really it's lovely. Been, it's
6: it's um it's been um an honor and a delight to be on your your program and you do such interesting work and. I know you're, you put a lot of focus on the, the arts and activism, so I'm proud to be p- part of that tradition of of artists and activists that you, you seem to feature often. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's my thing.
1: As <laughs> <laughs> they say, yeah, I think the artists are the true revolutionaries for sure. Right. And you are one of those I hope you
6: live. I hope. I hope to live up to that honorific. Oh, you already <laughs> <don't know>. have.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, and and sweet. certainly,
1: lo- I'd love to have you back on to talk about you know your current work, um, you know as you raise funds for it, and um, yeah. So send me an email. Let me know.
6: <laughs> okay, I I will. Thank thanks so much.
1: Oh, you're welcome. I look forward to meeting you at the screening. Um, I'm not certain which okay. one—the Sunday or the Monday—but i definitely wanna wanna be in the house and see okay, your Monday. surprise guests and and hear the conversation. Yeah.
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and sometimes it can get heated, but in in a good way. So that's at mm-hmm. the um uh, the um San Francisco Doc Fest um, screenings at the Roxy Theater Sunday night at seven and Monday night. June 10th at 7 p.m.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, Sunday, June 9th. Right. Yeah, well, safe travels.
6: Th- thanks so much. I look forward to uh, joining you in the Bay Area soon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Peace and blessings. Have a good rest of the day.
6: Thank you. You too.
1: All right. You're welcome. Okay, so we're going to close the show with the rebroadcast of the interview with the director and um, uh, principal actor and um, uh, director A.J. Mitchell and choreographer. Can't forget that because Sister Act at Theater Rhinoceros, Sister Act the Music at Theater Rhinoceros is awesome. The music uh, direction is Tammy Hall. And she's performing live with a, a trio. Every show, live music, isn't that awesome? And then Brandon Noel Thomas, who portrays Dolores Van Cartier, who is the um, the witness who needs a witness protection, and um, and so um, the officer, her um, old friend and classmate, um, uh, finds uh, finds a place for her to hide, and where else but a convent? So enjoy, the play closes, the musical closes this weekend. Um, so you don't want to miss it. There are two shows on Saturday, a matinee and an evening show. Um, so, um, yeah, and I, um, gosh, let me let me see if I can tell you the run since I'm talking about it. Let's see, um, what are the days? Um, mm-hmm. uh, let's see, Wednesday through Saturday at 8 and Saturday matinees at 3 and 8. Saturday matinees at 3. So, um, so there's 8 o'clock tonight, 8 o'clock tomorrow, 8 o'clock on Saturday, and 3 o'clock on Saturday at the Gateway Theater, formerly the Eureka, 215 Jackson Street. Um, so, um, yeah, you can take Bart and get off at Embarcadero and walk. Um, so enjoy. This was a really fun, um, fun interview.
5: profound, we're just here to spread that love all around, spread it around, spread
0: it around. (laughs)
1: Oh, that's so wonderful. Well, that is a little (laughs) teaser um, for everyone. Um, Theater Rhinoceros Presents Sister Act, the musical. It uh, had previews May 17th, opened on Malcolm X's birthday, uh, May 19th, this past Sunday. And it continues through June 1st at the Gateway Theater, 215 Jackson Street in San Francisco. And you can visit... Triple uh, W the Rhino dot or call one eight hundred eight three eight three zero zero six for tickets. You don't want to miss this musical. It is so awesome, particularly because our guest um, who is on the air right now, uh, Brandon Noel Thomas, is <laughs> Dolores Cartier Van Cartier, and you are just like awesome. Oh my
0: gosh! Oh, thank you. <laughs>
1: Oh wow! I mean, you are just fabulous. And I was like, so interesting. Wow! You began singing in the 11th grade after you admitted mm-hmm. to the Oakland School for the Arts. Like, wow! You're an Oakland School for the Arts alum. That
0: is so cool. I am. Yes. Wow.
1: yeah. I remember when that place opened. So, were you at the first iteration over at the Milonga Center in the basement, or or the new spot over by the Fox? Over at the Fox. I was building?
7: part of. Yeah, I was part of the when they moved into the Fox Theater.
1: Okay, okay, nice, nice. Wow, I wish I would have seen you as a high schooler. You know, in some <laughs> of the musicals, because they had some really good plays. But there was a parent that would let me know when they were going up, and then when that parent mm-hmm. child graduated,
0: <laughs> I right. didn't hear about
1: it anymore. <laughs> oh wow, wow, that is so cool. That, wow, Oakland School for the Arts is has some real has turned out some superstars. Or well, you are already superstars, but my goodness, you all have really gone on the greatness. All of you all. Like it's really yeah. wonderful. The list yeah. just
7: keeps getting bigger it seems like the more it goes.
1: Mhm. Yeah, yeah. So, um when did you graduate from Oakland School for the Arts and how how long have you been, you know, an equity actor and just blowing up the stage? Tell us about some of your you know, yeah.
7: Tell
1: us about yeah, the so, things you've
7: done since since you graduated. So I graduated in 2012 at OSA, so not too mm-hmm. long ago. And I didn't really start singing right. much be- before that. I probably started singing probably two years before that. So 2010, mm-hmm. I started singing, really. And I didn't really get into theater mm-hmm. until after I graduated, up, actually. So my first musical mm-hmm. was Hairspray with the Peter Pan Foundation, and that mm-hmm. was around that same summer of 2012. And so once I started to do theater, I it really like sparked uh, inspiration, and it's really sparked like a fire under me. I found like a passion that I wanted to do, and that I found joy in doing more than just like when I'm at school or when my school does a play. And so once I found out that mm-hmm. I could audition other places, I just started to reach out to different theaters. And once I started to get into the scene, I found out what equity was, because equity is a beautiful thing.
0: Mm. It pretty
7: much is like the union for the actors, uh, right. really anywhere within uh, the United States, also in, like the U.K. You know, there's always an equity mm. House Union that we can call and reach. And it's really good Mm -hmm. for actors because it it not only gives us the opportunity to have, like, a dental plan and insurance just in case we get hurt during a show, it's just just really there for us. Yeah, it's really Mm -hmm. there for us whenever we do shows and just for, like, safety and all those things that you can't really get when you're doing it as a hobby. It's more so, like, if you're trying to do theater for a job, equity is the it's the way mm-hmm. to go, and it really supports you as an actor, which is good because actors and theater need support nowadays as much as we can mm-hmm. get. Yeah.
5: Yeah, and so, yeah, once I became awesome. equity,
7: yeah, I moved mm-hmm. to Vegas. Oh, and so oh, I moved you to Vegas anymore? about five months ago. Yeah, yeah, oh.
1: just moved to <laughs> Vegas. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, wow. Well, I think our other. Let me see. This might be um, Tammy or AJ. Uh,
5: good oh, morning.
1: Okay. Good
4: morning. Hi, good morning.
5: <laughs> this. Hi, Tammy. How uh, this oh, is AJ as well? Hey,
4: AJ. Hi, Brandon. Hi, Wanda.
5: Oh. Hello, hello. Hi, hi.
4: Hello. Did get chance
0: to see what you? Oh, Tammy.
4: To... Yeah, yes, and yes, um, exactly. And congratulations on the raffle win.
1: (laughs) Oh, thank you. That was, like, so surprising. (laughs) I was like, Really? (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm drinking out of the cup now. The mug now. (laughs) Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. Wow, yeah. So we we are joined by uh, Tammy L. Hall, um, music director for – Theater Rhinoceros, uh, production of Sister Act the musical. And uh AJ Mitchell. Both uh Tammy and AJ have been on the air with us before and AJ is the fabulous director. Choreographer He's like,
0: Yeah. So mm-hmm. AJ <laughs> have
1: you have you gotten any awards like from Theater Bay Area? Because you are just like a phenomenal choreographer and director <laughs> like, and just yeah. like whenever you put your hands on something it's like Oh my goodness. Like we don't even have to know what it is. It's like AJ is involved, like, yes, we are there. but <laughs>
5: um, you know, I am I am I am new on the scene here. I'm still building a lot of community and credit. Um but I ha- I was nominated for a um Bay Area Theatre Critic Circles Award for my choreography uh Priscilla, um two thousand seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um but you yeah. know, I don't do it for the rewards, I do it for the community and mm-hmm. um and We'll see what happens. Just go around. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah, well, that's nice of you to say, but I would love to be able to read. Oh, and he was got the award for blah blah for this. Because <laughs> Priscilla in 2017 is like, oh my goodness, just like, just like Sister Act, um, the musical. I want to go back. Like a lot of times, I want to just sort of like sit outside the theater, and when it opens, be in the audience every single evening until it closes. <laughs> <laughs> it's that <awesome>. long. <laughs> <laughs> wow! <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and and Tammy, oh my goodness, you know, as a musical director, every evening there's going to be live music and for real.
3: Yes.
6: Every evening.
1: Wow, that's yeah. so awesome. How how did how did theater Rhinoceros afford that? Because you do <laughs> live, you don't hear live music every single performer. Usually it's taped and then played. Even you know, when it's original or whatever, like you hear the score yeah. but you don't like see the see the, the musicians coming out with their instruments, you know, in their protective bags and things like that unless they have a piano which stays, I'm sure, at the venue. But uh
0: No.
4: <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're a we are a a trio a piano bass mm-hmm. and drums and um and I'm grateful to Theater Rhino for For honoring that live music belongs also in the theater, Mm
0: -hmm. and honoring the
4: the, honoring honoring the energy exchange that 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 is, it just adds it adds a more (laughs) adventurous and a more exciting dimension to the whole. To the whole production, my music is live. Come mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. you know it's <laughs> yes, it it's is vital. It
6: really is it's vital.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And Absolutely. so, I right,
4: right. I have to thank um, thank the donors to Theater Rhinoceros um, because I had to, you know, do a little heavy, heavy foot <laughs> with the uh, with the producer to to get mm-hmm. a, a decent wage for the other for the musicians and again you know it's for the overall elevation of community and that includes the music I don't know how people would consider a musical without and, and make the music a second thought you know that disconnect I'll mm-hmm. never understand but theater Rhino has moved in the very right direction with, with pursuing um, having live music and I'm so glad that A.J. uh, pulled me in on this project. I'm really grateful to him, Mm -hmm. and I love our collaboration, and I look forward to when he's writing and producing and maybe has his own company, because I would certainly want to be involved
0: (laughs) in that.
1: Oh, yes. Oh, wow.
4: Oh, my
0: goodness.
1: Are you working on something like that, A.J.? Are you thinking about that?
5: (laughs) I am, and um, it's been really great to work with Tammy in this capacity. And also, I mean, the incomparable Brandon Noel Thomas, like, wow, what a talent, what a talent. Um, But but, um, in this this process, um, I've been able to, we've been able to take some of the music of the show and really make it our own. Uh, I've Mm. literally asked Tammy to restructure some of the music, and we um, particularly, the Curtis track. Um just uh, mm-hmm. the Curtis track which has been um which typically is this fun, jazzy piece. But we were looking at the piece and we we're like, This is not funny. This is not fun. This is real. Mm-hmm. There's real violence mm-hmm. against uh, black uh femme bodies, right? Real violence against trans women mm-hmm. and, and, and femme women mm-hmm. of color every day in our country. I mean you just see it. Uh, recently with the um with the passing of a black trans woman who was murdered in the streets right
4: In dallas um, and, and dallas yes.
5: mm-hmm. exactly yeah. and, and 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 we mm-hmm. see this reality daily and i didn't want to triv- trivialize that truth um and curtis and our the uh the lady who plays curtis um crystal lou also didn't want to trivialize mm-hmm. that so temi and i worked mm-hmm. collaboratively to Pretty much rewrite the number, reorchestrate the number using the same language on the mm-hmm. show, but really thinking about how will this show sound in our current day. Like guys. And as mm-hmm. that, Tammy um, and I you were know, like, what? put something together.
1: <laughs> oh, AJ, you're breaking up a little bit.
5: Oh uh, yeah. Okay. You know?
1: We we miss we miss we miss a lot of that. If you can um, say it again. Um.
5: Yeah. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, it feels it's, it's mm-hmm. like it's percolating. Um, the, the, mm-hmm. the... Oh, happened again. Breaking.
1: It's happening now.
5: Yeah, sorry. Is this better?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
5: Hello? This is this better?
1: Yes, mm-hmm. it's better. Yes.
5: Mm-hmm. Also, thank you. Um, so yeah, so I was just saying that in the process, we were, we were looking to um, restructure and tell the truth about what, what violence against um, black film bodies and um, uh, trans bodies really are in this world, and Tammy and I mm-hmm. took the music of Curtis, um, and, or the language of Curtis, and basically reorchestrated orchestrated that number to what you saw on the stage. And working collaboratively mm-hmm. in that way, there was a spark of Tammy and I saying, huh, what if we, <laughs> what if we all <laughs> coming together? Um, mm-hmm. um, but it's definitely, you know, there's pieces that I've been working on for the past several years that I'm interested in bringing to the stage. Mm-hmm. So uh, this collaboration may be something that grows from this process.
1: Oh, that's great. Yeah, because cause you are a member yeah. of the, uh, a company member of the Black Artist Contemporary cultural experience and, and I've seen exactly. you um uh actually I mean you're also an actor. Um you yes. um I saw you in um Rob O'Hara's uh, uh Booty Candy and American Mall That's at right.
0: Bravo. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm, really mm-hmm. awesome.
1: And, and and also it's like wow I um it's so wonderful to to see you, you know, um you, you teach um a musical theater I, I think at um at the um uh what is it the Give me the name of it I know it's on grand in um in Oakland oh, uh, but yeah, what's so, the name of oh, it? It's,
5: it's, um Stage Bridge. I am um Stage yeah, Bridge, I was right. I was a part of the faculty yeah, I was I was a part of their faculty for a while and mm-hmm. um I'm actually now I'm not working with them as much anymore because I'm now the director mm-hmm. of theater at Cutter Costa School for Performing Arts. Um and you so are. that's like yeah, most of my time. Oh, that's right I am, I am.
0: Yeah, wow.
5: yeah. So mm-hmm. so I'm working out here in Walnut Creek and trying to to train young minds to do this work, <laughs> uh, you know, when I'm thinking about Brandon, mm-hmm. right, being an OSA and in that mm-hmm. community of art and performance, um, that's mm-hmm. where they got their start. That's where you guys had started, and so this is what we're doing here as mm-hmm. well. And I find it really important that um, students are seeing a femme, queer, non-binary artist who is doing the work in the in the industry, um, leading their classrooms. Right, it's really important to me that they're seeing that representation. As educator, as director, as choreographer, and as actor, um, it's important that they see that and they know that whatever their background is, they can do it. Um, and that's what's mm-hmm. so great about this production is that we have exploded the gender <laughs> normatives of of the world in this show. Right? We've exploded it and mm-hmm. we've said, "What? Like, let's live in the truth of San Francisco. Let's live in the truth of gender that we want to see in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's, you know, like we we have people like Brendan, Noel." Who I've seen on stage many times and I would always say to myself, there is like why can't Brandon exist as I know Brandon exists in these roles, right? Why did the, mm-hmm. why does he have to butch it up for the stage? Um which oh, which he does okay. well, right? Which which is a which is a great he's like, you know, Solomon Fat Swallers, a fat swallowers character in Amos Behaven. Amazing work he does there. Mm-hmm. But also Brandon is this fabulous <laughs> um, uh, embody in the, in the world. And so, like, why can't we see that also on the stage? Why can't that be honored on the stage? Why do we want like, to hide uh, pieces of our identity in order mm-hmm. to play mm-hmm. roles on the musical theater stage? And I don't think that's necessary anymore. Um, and I think it's important that we start uplifting identities on the musical theater stage in particular. I think we're better at it on the non-musical stage, the the play stage. But as far as musical theater, we are mm-hmm. stuck somehow. And this idea that gender is one thing, and love interests are one thing, and, and yeah. race is one thing. Um, like, so every lover interest is white, and every every story is a straight story or a white gay story or a normative story, right? And and we're just looking like, why does it have to be? Uh, why do we have to do that kind yeah. of thing? So, yeah.
4: We don't yeah. have to. We,
5: well, we don't, we have, don't have, to. have to. I mean, That's exactly we can exactly. write
4: the new stories. We just need to
5: leave
0: exactly. that
4: paradigm behind.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So Brandon, Noel, tell us about about um, Dolores, and um, for our audiences maybe is not familiar with Sister Act. I don't know how anyone could not be <laughs> familiar with Sister Act. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's just such a wonderful story. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I hadn't I hadn't really thought about sort of the trans transformative nature of of the character you know um
8: mm-hmm.
1: um until i until I sort of looked at the songs and how they're sung you know one one part of the of the uh of the story and then how they they change like take me to heaven how mm-hmm. you know initially it's it's one take me to heaven heaven is not is not the same heaven that it is right. um when um <laughs> the uh, characters t- you know when she sings exactly. it again.
7: Exactly.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. The backup girls are different too.
7: <laughs> <laughs> Got new backup girls. New meaning to the song. Just flip the whole script.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so tell us so, about tell but, us about your character. And tell us what what the uh, what the play's about,
0: and why yeah, you were interested so, in
1: in, in uh, occupying this particular role.
7: So when I first even heard of it, uh, Sister Act is a story that I would watch as a kid, and just, I was always in love with Whoopi Goldberg, who was the original Dolores Van Cartier in the movie, which was based in San Francisco. They actually changed the location for the show, but we wanted to, as AJ was saying, we wanted to stay true to, like, not only where we are based from, but from the original movie, so we put it back in San Francisco. And it really it really spoke to me because this was an opportunity to do something that doesn't really get done ever. And so it was kind of a hard opportunity to pass up in general, to not only play a role that Whoopi Goldberg has originated, one of my favorite musicals, one that's, I would say, iconic in not only the film, But in the black community, as far as I know, that's an iconic movie, iconic role that everybody's like, oh, yes, that movie was iconic Mm -hmm. for my childhood and my history and who I am today sort of role. And the fact that I can bring a new light and a new image to that to open people's eyes, because that's pretty much what the show and movie was about. It was opening people's eyes, putting a new spin on something that's been done for centuries, for genera- excuse me generations. And so I was like, the mm-hmm. fact that it's already known for being something different and something inspiring to people, it's great that we put this extra spin on it and now it has another layer of inspiration and a new layer of 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 models for people to see when they come see the show. So it's really mm-hmm. more than just like, I'm going to play Dolores Van Cartier for the last bow. Because, you know, as AJ was saying, we don't do it for like the praise or the, or the acknowledgement. We do it for, I always like to say, I aspire to inspire. It's what I usually put mm-hmm. in my bio. And that's why I got started in theater. And that's why I take the roles that I do. It's to inspire that one kid who's like, oh, I probably can't do theater because I'll never be able to play this role. It's like, no, if you mm-hmm. want to play the role, you just got to keep telling them I can play this role. I know you're not used mm-hmm. to it, but you're going to get used to it because we have to we have to keep this moving forward. Because it's, what, mm-hmm. 2019? It's only going to keep getting more mm-hmm. dates on and everything else, and we got to keep moving. We can't get stuck right. in what we used to do because the world is not the same like it used to be. Mm-mm.
0: Mm-mm. And Dolores, she's yeah. just trying to
7: find her way within the show as well as everyone is trying to find their way in life. She has, She's dating mm-hmm. this very bad person who owns a nightclub, and she sees him do something very bad. And so she has two options. She can either get killed by him or go to the cops and get hidden inside of a convent. So she chooses to stay alive and go get hidden in the convent, which I think is a smart idea. And so when she does that, she just finds a new life that she thought she only saw one side of, because she grew up in the Catholic schools, and so she was like, no, they just put me down. And then she got to meet some of these people who who are in that lifestyle and who chose that journey, and now she gets to see how they actually feel about it and makes connections with them. It's not so much just a chastising, like, you're wrong because you're different, you're the outside, which is kind of how it starts. But then once each mm-hmm. side sees the other person's perspective of not only themselves, but the world, they're like, oh, we're actually not that different. And it's like, yeah, we just see things differently. Like, you look at a six from your direction. I look at a nine from my direction. We're both <laughs> not wrong. That's what we see from our direction. If we went to the other side, we I would see your six, you would see my nine, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's what the story is mostly about. And it's really beautiful. I love doing the show every time. And that's the mm-hmm. beautiful story of Sister Act and how I perceive and why I took on the role for the challenge of mm-hmm. inspiring and challenging people's minds to be expanded within, the, within not only theater but the world themselves.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, any any particular um scenes, um, anyone? Um, particular song that you like. Oh my god, I just love this one. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
4: I love everything Brandon Noel Thomas sings. Oh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> <Everything>. yes, <sure. laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah,
5: I, I think my um, any, think f- anything. <laughs> yes. Uh, my favorite moment of the show is um is a number called Bless Our Bless Our Show.
0: Mm-hmm. Um
5: Mm, and it's yeah. the, the, the all the nuns are nervous about the uh, the upcoming performance, and they're asking Brandon or uh, Loris's character to um, give a blessing for the show. And but mm-hmm. in the staging, uh, as I was saying, yeah, there's a there's a dance break that is in the in the number, and I was like, I don't know, this needs a dance break. And we and and mm, in the collaboration, exactly. we're like, let's actually just make this a moment of um of sisters having fun and enjoying themselves and, and letting their hair down and being safe and feeling confident in their space of security. Um, and it's okay. just this really beautiful, heart-touching moment of, uh, you know, when 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 Dolores' character, when Brandon plays it so beautifully, starts to see, oh, my gosh, I could have a family here. I, I, mm-hmm. I actually could have mm-hmm. people who love me and, and care for me. And um, it's not just about competing against other fam bodies and other women in spaces, but also, like, the sisterhood of that. And really, like, what does it mean to be a sister, right? There is um, – and, and there was this great quote that was I was reading this week around um, – it's sisters, S-I-S-T-E-R-S, and not sister, C-I-S-T-E-R-S, right? It's not just about mm-hmm. cisgender uh, women, right? It's oh, about, like, fam yeah. sisterhood, fam mm-hmm. sisterhood and how that has supported and, uphold, and upheld us. And I think about mm-hmm. stories like Compton's Cafeteria riot and Stonewall, where these femme and transgender women, um, uh, femme folks and transgender folks, and um, um, of color, decided to say, "We're protecting ourselves now. We're mm-hmm. not. We're no longer going to stand to to bullying or stand to um, you know police brutality or uh, heteronormative brutality. That we're going to stand together. We're going to fight back." And that for me is that moment when Dolores says, "All oh, right, these are people that will take care of me, um, mm-hmm. and they and they are my people. And even and even though it's in this place place of, uh, you know, what we consider the, the the Christian church, it actually is a place of sanctuary that is loving and kind and caring, mm-hmm. um, which is so interesting. So it's like I think about my own world and like as a as someone who grew up in the Baptist church, um, and finding those moments of like there is community here. There is sanctuary here, and there's. It doesn't always have to be this this toxic place of, of violence against these bodies, against femme bodies and queer bodies, but also a place that can be community and loving and caring. Um, and that moment to me in the show is just one of the most. It always it always brings me the tears every time I see it. Every time I see it. Yeah. Mm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Oh, you know, um, I'm really interested in in hearing about some of the other, um, uh, I guess, songs that. That you you change the way that changed the presentation just because, um, yeah, it just it's really interesting, you know, hearing about the thinking around it because I um uh, I really um I really like that particular song bless our show because I remember when um, earlier in in the uh, in the play or the musical when Dolores was asked to bless the meal. And and she really didn't know how <laughs> to pray, and that yeah. was really funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah, and then um, um, yeah, and that I guess it's around the the part where you know the the song is it's good to be a nun, but Mother Superior, she was so resistant. Um, you know, she opened mm-hmm. up the house because, um, you know, philosophically, it's supposed to be a sanctuary. But her heart wasn't mm-hmm. in it. And so when she sings right here within these walls, you know, the walls are are her around sort of surrounding her perspective and her her compassion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then she sings it again, um, you know, in the same act <laughs> here within these walls. Yeah. And it's <laughs> like, okay. And and it's really great that there's a um among among um Hohera that's above mm-hmm. the, the uh mother superior who likes Dolores and likes what she brings that's fresh and different, otherwise um, Dolores might have been kicked out a long time ago and
0: She's and then and then
1: in the next and then the next in act two, you know when Mother Superior sings, "I haven't got a prayer, you know, sort of like the doubter, you know like you know when you i don't I don't know the Bible really well, but you know sort of like there were these people hanging with Jesus, and, and they were, like, questioning their faith.
0: Yeah. And, and it was like know. that kind of song for
1: her, right? <laughs>
0: hmm? mm-hmm. Oh, yes, yes,
1: exactly. Dowling Thomas, yep. So anyway, yeah, I, I was thinking about that, and then I also thought, and then I'm, I'm going to let you all talk, sorry, is um, about um, Father Jay Matthews, who just passed, and how, like, mm-hmm. the Catholic Church in Oakland is like the, it, they're all slamming, right? It's tickly, St. Columba. Right.
0: and
1: I'm like, how come? How come you know this this queen, this you know um, queen of Angels Church didn't know the folks in Oakland?
5: Right,
1: <laughs> but mm-hmm.
5: but also you, you, you know. mean you think about you think about that in general too, right? Like. I have people who in my community who were born and raised in San Francisco who are like, I don't have any pe- friends of color. <laughs> I've never been to a <laughs> drag show, or you know, it's like so. It's like this is real. I mean, oh. I even in Walnut Creek, right? Wow. It's like. There's some yeah. folks who like have never there's some folks who've never been to San Francisco, never been to Oakland and because they're trying to oh. find sanctuary, right? But that sanctuary mm-hmm. means to displace and to ignore and to be blind to. Like what does sanctuary mm-hmm. actually mean in a modern day context? Right, because it should mean that your sanctuary is open to everyone. But right now, sanctuary just means that I'm open to my people who looks like me, who talks like me, who thinks like me. And if you're not that, Mm -hmm. then you're not allowed to have my sanctuary. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. that seems to be what's happening at Queen of Angels, right? Even um, the scene, there's another scene in the show where they're in the bar, and um, Mm -hmm. the the nuns are like, "Oh my gosh, this is what music is. This is what disco balls look like." So they're like talking about sanctuary, but they're hidden. They're like they're hiding themselves. They're mm-hmm. they're, in, they're in they're in they're in fear and in and, and they're ignoring the world around them. They're not opening their walls. They're not opening their hearts. They're not opening their their environment to actually offer sanctuary to those who need it. They only offer it to those mm-hmm. who maybe have the same theological <laughs> um, identity as they do, right? Which is not really what sanctuary was ever meant to be, um, mm-hmm. in, 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 a, in a true sense of sanctuary, right? Um, so yeah, it, it's it's mm-hmm. really. It's really plausible that these folks had no idea what was going on in Oakland and didn't care to find out. <laughs> and and so more the
4: more the latter than the former, I would say, that they
0: they yeah. didn't
4: care to find out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's okay. that's what that's okay. about. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's interesting, you know, that um, that this play is. It's it just like like you said, uh, Brandon. That this is um, it's a classic because it doesn't get old. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you drop Dolores in any kind of situation, you know, where you know the dominant culture is not us, and even, mm-hmm. you know, it's like there's gonna be some some rumbling, you know, like right, you know, like will she, will she be, you know, be able to like. Reside there We should be able To stay there You know You think about Black people Moving into neighborhoods Where we don't You right. know We might be The first family
0: mm-hmm. Black
1: kids Going to schools Where they They're
0: mm-hmm. like Five
1: black children In the whole high school My niece just graduated From a private school And she was One uh, of five Black kids wow. And it was rough Rough well, it's not, And all the teachers well. Are white I mean They might have
0: Good yeah, intentions, right.
1: But it's just like It's like It just Doesn't work
0: out Yeah <laughs> Yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was yeah. one of two
4: in my graduating class.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh,
4: seriously? Wow. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, where'd you go?
4: Yeah. Uh, the Hockaday School for Girls back in oh. Dallas. Uh, the private yeah. girls school. Has it, has it, mm-hmm.
1: Is it still the same one? Has it, has it gotten oh, a little bit... Oh, they um, are whatever. So <laughs> in
4: boasting and bragging now.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> boasting oh, right. and bragging it's, about diversity. they really
4: blossomed. <laughs>
5: mm-hmm. Okay. But that's good. It, 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 is, that, <laughs> is that diversity just in the classroom, or is it also in leadership?
4: This is the next frontier. Because <laughs> right. I said in the same breath, well, I congratulate mm-hmm. you on your outreach to, you know, to the tuition community, to the tuition-paying mm-hmm. community, but... The teach, you know, the teachers need to to be reflective of the population
0: they're Absolutely. teaching,
4: and so Absolutely. I got a little bit of uh, you know some pursed lips on that one. So, but
0: I know <laughs> no, they're doing it. But
5: this now. exactly this is exactly right though, right? It's like in, in the same mm-hmm. way that um, I'm I, you know, I think that I've been collaborating with right now for about three years now, and um,
0: mm-hmm. and
5: but that that was the initial the, the initial idea, right? Is that well. I mean, a lot of, when I was talking to the community of color, queer community of color around uh, productions at Theater Rhino, they were like, well, um, we're not, it's like, well, that's great, but they're not really showing us all the time. I'm like, but that is, that's not, we, that's what we're building now, right? We're building a community mm-hmm. where it is doing that. And they, and John is yeah. working actively with us and the community to make sure that that's being represented. But the, it comes with, though, you have to have people willing to hire <laughs> folks who yes. match that demographic, who, who right. are people of color, who are queer, who are non-binary, who are trans, to tell these stories, right? And that mm-hmm. is not just about – and also the willingness to say, great, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring in – I, like, I need you. So I went to Jonathan. I need you to – like get, Brandon needs to come here. Whatever it mm-hmm. takes, get Brandon into this space, right? The same thing mm-hmm. with Tammy. She said, whatever it takes, we need live musicians in this space, um, and, mm-hmm. and, the, and the community at Rhino said, okay, let's figure it out. <laughs> let's, let's make yeah. it happen um, because that's mm-hmm. the kind of leadership that we need. We need leadership that says that it, it's tired. We're tired of, say, oh, we're bringing in our one show of color a year, um, <laughs> and we know those companies, um, mm-hmm. but have no, have no directors, have no choreographers, have no folk of color actually leading these processes. And that becomes problematic, right? You want to use our talent, you want to use our voices, you want to use our our music, our stylings, you want to appropriate that culture mm-hmm. into your theater spaces, but you don't want to do the work in finding. Um, and I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get in so much trouble for saying this, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but 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 you know, but 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 you're not doing, necessarily doing the work to cultivate a a, a, a directorship or a, a um. Choreographer or music director mm-hmm. who is of color, or a lead mm-hmm. who, or a lead who is
2: who a is lead. of color, not only
5: mm-hmm. not only is of color, but is actively being represented in their portrayal of that character, right? They're not just mm-hmm. doing a show in blackface, as I sort right. of say, but they're actually yeah. actively bringing their identity, their culture, their understanding uh, to those roles, right? This is equally as important. If you are walking and saying. Oh well, we cast we cast a uh, uh, um, black woman in this show. It's like, well, yeah, but did you talk about her culture? Did you was she actually involved in the creation of the character, or was she just playing a white narrative in blackface? <laughs> right, you right. Know? Like, is that you know? But that, so that, uh, and I think I think the Bay is is doing some work in that, right? I think with the the kind of coming up events that's happening all throughout the country in regards to leadership of color. Uh, we saw it at, Oak, at at Oregon Shakespeare Festival at um, at um, Louisville, Louisville um, Actors Theater of Louisville. It it's, it's now has a leader leader of color. I um, artistic director of color. We're mm-hmm. seeing that happening more and more, and it's it's, it's starting. That, that transition is starting. And is starting to recognize that we need multiple voices in leadership positions, as ADs, as directors, as choreographers, leading the charge to mm-hmm. tell these stories on stage. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and we need the Well Noel Thomases of the world, right? We need the actors of the world who are yeah. who are being seen and honored as they should be, right? This is is important to be doing all those things, so. That's my spiel, yeah, and I know exactly I'm gonna exactly. get some some, <laughs> some slack about that one. But you know, it's yeah. what it is. <laughs>
4: well, mm-hmm. I'm with you, yeah. Yeah. and I'm beside you. I'm beside you, and behind you, and in front of you on this. Yeah. So I'm I'm all in,
7: AJ. Uh,
5: yes.
7: Absolutely, same mm-hmm. here. Because I mean, some theaters don't realize that in your community of wherever the theater is, for us the Bay Area. The black people do talk to each other. We do know each other. And so Mm -hmm. we talk to each other. If we see a black show, it's like, oh, who's directing? If it's not like somebody who represents what that show is, it's like, like, oh, okay, well, who's choreographing? Still not representing that Mm -hmm. show? Oh, I'm good. I I can't Mm -hmm. do a show where
0: they don't even know
7: where we're coming from. You know, that sort of thing. Mm
0: -hmm. And I don't think
7: people, it's starting to click in a little bit. But it's mm-hmm. uh, we're still not there to where it's like the, there are directors and uh, choreographers who can represent the shows that you're choosing to do, whether you want to work with them or not. That is their personal mm-hmm. personal opinion and ideas, but that doesn't <laughs> play a toll on who's going to come out to those auditions after you release that information.
0: Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah.
1: Yeah, Tammy, I wanted to ask you um if you could um maybe let us know who the other uh two members of the ensemble are that um they're playing with you. Yes, we have Jay Jackson on drums and
4: she's um she's a wonderful young great musician and um mm-hmm. and then Kevin Goldberg on the bass. And uh okay. Kevin was one of my was one of my students at the California Jazz Conservatory. Uh, I was subbing for Linda Tillery for a class and she was teaching there called Protest, Songs Song mm-hmm. of Resistance and Protest. And yeah. that's where yeah, I, I met Yeah. That's where I met Kevin. Um and he's just turned out to be a great guy, a great musician. And um he brought in Jay for me. Okay. I had another drummer yeah. uh, lined up who, because of illness and a, and a really crazy schedule, couldn't do it. So I'm so glad he introduced me to Jay, and you know she's working out wonderfully, just wonderfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah, and that's so cool. I mean, this whole show is just full of sort of gender bending kind of things. Like you know, you got a woman on the drums. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> and the
4: uh, yeah, it didn't even yeah,
0: considered yeah, and, as
4: gender bending, but it still is. Um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah, interestingly enough. Mm-hmm.
5: But um, right, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, and is, yeah. A... I mean, all all genders matter here. <laughs> all genders matter. Mm-hmm. In, the, in this space, That's and it's important right. to, especially you know when you are when you're the longest running LGBTQ um, theater, then that that shift that begins to shift. Like what are you what are you showing mm-hmm. your stages begin to shift? How you're mm-hmm. talking about mm-hmm. it begins to shift because the the world is mm-hmm. shifting around what it looks like. We're still determining language, right? Like right. Uh, mm-hmm. like non-binary, N B, queer, trans. Um, Non-gender conforming, what you know, all this new language that is is happening around defining gender and identity. Then, like in the same way, the theater must match that. It must match that, right? It, like we can't stay stuck in old language because the theater is living, you know. it's alive, it's breathing, it's it's happening. That's so, right. and same with music, same with art, I mean, any art, any performative art. You have to match it. Um, you can't stay stuck. Mm-hmm right? You can't stay stuck in this world of like, well, well, it means that, you know, it means one thing. It no, no longer means that anymore. It no longer means that anymore. So how do we represent that on our stages um, and with, with the things we're presenting? I let mean, the Bay Area that's doing that now, right? I think of, um, you know, Theater First that is really yes. in some ways leading that charge of Making sure mm. that equity and inclusion is at the forefront of their casting and hiring and etc. Um but I, I i mean there's multiple companies that are doing that work and um but it's it's happening slowly, incrementally and it just needs to happen faster. <laughs> it, <laughs> in my opinion.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and theater first, you know, pays, you know, its actors, which is wonderful. Do, like, yeah. you can actually yeah. you know, not starve,
0: you know <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, during the that, rehearsal process.
1: Mhm. Yeah. Right, yes, <laughs> yeah. wonderful. Yeah. I um I had a question about a uh, couple of uh, places. Um, I was had a question about um, uh, the Eddie Eddie character um, who is um, a police officer, but he he doesn't have a gun, and um, initially, and that's really interesting. Um, and mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't remember um the movie in well enough to know if this is something new or not. And um, and that's uh, Jared um, Holly, who was really great. And then in that song, he does, um, I could be that guy. Um, mm-hmm. And then he's he's he changes into a homeless person. And and I was I, I was kind of confused um, around. I mean, I understand I could be that guy, and and I could be that guy, who is, you know, having rough times and and also be out of out of you know not have a place. To live, you know, unhoused person or underhoused person, but then I didn't. Um, yeah, I was just wondering about about that particular number. It didn't quite. I didn't understand it. Oh, and also oh, another great. number that I really like is um, <laughs> another number I really like is uh, the life I never led, um, yeah. which is really yeah. awesome. And oh, I just and I just love. I love the. Uh, the actress who sings that um she is mm-hmm. phenomenal
0: it's just its sweet
1: I love her with the boots, right um <laughs> yeah yeah, um <laughs> um, and you could you could call her name her her, her um, the character's name is Mary roberts, you can give call her her other name her 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 actual name, yeah, so I just wanted to just give a shout out to her for that yeah. particular number'cause it's oh uh, Abigail Campbell, yeah is. It's mm-hmm. really really
5: awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. So back mm-hmm. to I said yeah,
1: to my be- God, you said that is not clear to
3: you either. Is that what
5: Oh you're no, right? so yeah, so um um so so uh, so Eddie is he he's he's a cop and um right. he is not he he he's surrounded by um underhoused or um, um homeless folk in the number, but he himself mm-hmm. is not. Um, Oh, and the, the okay. idea, the okay. the idea around that um is in the script. It's in it's in the script is it. And I and I was thinking, about why is this happening? Um, but it's really about the community that is within those um, circles, right? We also think about uh, when we think about the homeless community or or, or under housed community. Um, the initial thought is like we are thinking about people who are addicted to drugs or have some type of mental, mental illness. Um, but in in the majority of that space, though, it is. Folks who are um, just building community and trying to survive together and trying to help each other and trying to give each other some type of way to move forward. And um, and in that number, Eddie is doubting themselves. And the the, the homeless um, and under house folks are saying, "Tom her, do it." They're they're, they're uh, Eddie's cheerleaders. And just seeing these. This community, uh, as cheerleaders, as people who support each other when they're down and or they feel like they're the, at the, their lowest point, they're supporting each other. They're feeding each other. They're making sure each other are safe. Um, and that moment is is a, is a hint at that culture within those communities um, within the Bay Area. Um, yeah, so that so that's kind of if that makes some some give some clarity to that scene. Um, that's what that's about.
1: Okay. Thanks. Thanks. So um, I've held you all over a little bit. I just wanted to um, uh, ask if you want to give your contact websites and things like that, so people can follow you um, after uh, June 1st. Because definitely people need to get over to um, the Gateway Theater, 215 Jackson, before um, or at, or by June 1st. Um, the uh, performances are are they uh, Wednesday through
7: Sunday? Technically, it's Wednesday through Saturday, double Saturday. Wednesday through Saturday? Okay, Mm -hmm. this week. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then next week we have one Tuesday.
1: Oh, you have a Tuesday? Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Just next week. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the evenings are 8 o'clock and on Saturday, what time is the matinee on this Saturday?
0: 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock. 3
1: o'clock, Okay. Mm So there's a matinee this weekend and next weekend, mm-hmm. and a Tuesday next week. Oh, that's awesome! Oh, maybe I'll mm-hmm. come back on yeah. Tuesday.
5: Cool. Yeah, <laughs> come <to the> Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, cool. cool. Yeah. Uh, well, well, you can follow my work on Instagram <laughs> at am mm-hmm. um, underscore queer director, um, and mm-hmm. that's where most of my work is posted. Okay. All right. and, and I'm at videos.
4: I'm at tammyhall.com. Usually, I try to try to keep a calendar up to date.
0: <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool. And, and
7: my information for Instagram is Brandon Noel Thomas. That's B-R-A-N-D-E-N Noel Thomas. Thomas. Um it's a public account, so you can message me through there for any contact information but also if you wanted to email me you can reach me at no so that's n o e l t h o m a z at gmail dot com as well
0: okay super
1: right. yeah and um and what's next for you all do you know
5: rest <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: Uh, yes. Let's see. I have um, doing a show at uh, at the Freight and Salvage called "Women of Motown" on June second. Mm. So that's at like Ooh, uh, one o'clock. So okay, you know, one o'clock.
0: If
1: you want to keep dancing, come Montown. on over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Nice. Nice. Cool. Great. That's going to be awesome super super
0: yeah well
1: thank you thank you all so much for yeah. um telling, talking to us about about the show it is simply fabulous i mean absolutely <laughs> fabulous um yeah yeah i'm going to definitely come back through so i can ah just listen to you sing some more brandon <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: and i i hope i hope you know the you come through again, you know. Soon, um, you know, performing somewhere else in the Bay. Otherwise, I guess I have to journey up to uh, to Vegas and see you there. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll have to go well, with you,
4: Wanda.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, there we'll definitely be, have to make a plan, yeah. Tammy. There, <laughs> mm-hmm. there
7: may <laughs> right, be a the, and, and of I hope, the work.
1: Yeah, and I and I hope you all um um have a recording. I would love to purchase. Um, the hmm. recording of of this soundtrack, oh. I don't know about all the the different <laughs> licensing things that might happen, but gosh, it would be so cool if we could take it home, you know,
5: <laughs> mm. well, don't you hear that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah,
4: so yeah, I have let the, me know. I the studio in mind <sighs>
5: all right, well, okay. we'll see what happens. All right.
1: Okay.
4: Cool. It's been too <laughs> thank long you. since so
5: they so recorded money. that
1: one that was on thank Broadway. You. you all are great. Right. Oh, right. you're quite welcome. <laughs> oh,
0: thank you, thank
1: you. All right,
0: all you take right. good care. <laughs> you as well.
1: Peace and blessings. <laughs> bye bye. 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 Bye bye. Let's see now. Um we are going to um, play uh gritty city um theater um is really 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 awesome um uh